Well, good morning. I want to express my appreciation for everything we heard so far. Sometimes when our children are little, we think we know everything that goes on in there, and sometimes it takes till they get big and they're having a children's lesson till you learn some of the things that actually did go on in there. Anyways, I would like to welcome everyone here this morning, especially the visitors, everyone that came. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of the worship service. Thank you for your bright faces. It is good to be here. I would also like to express my appreciation for the evening that we had Wednesday evening. I thought it was a good evening. Maybe I'll just take a moment to say I did get a phone call from someone expressing their appreciation for what we did. And, uh, and I, I appreciate that. I know, I know in our circles we, we, uh, have some would, that would take the approach that we should just write this whole season off and not enter into part of it at all because in a lot of ways it's so commercialized, wandered so far from, from the real spirit of the Son of God, coming in human flesh and the whole of the origin of Christmas and all that and, and what some of the origi- originated from, which I don't totally understand or know all of that. Someone had a feeling that we should just totally remove ourselves from it. And I do understand why that approach is and why some actually feel that way as we look at the whole of Christmas. Yet I can appreciate a little bit more of the relaxed approach that we take that, you know, there is something so beautiful about God taking on flesh and blood and coming this morning. And obviously this morning the songs that we sang are revealing to us that we we do appreciate the season that we live in. And I can appreciate that. I grew up myself in a home where we did lots of gift giving and that kind of thing. And uh, some of you maybe are there, and that is okay. And I do appreciate I think when I think of Christmas, I think our whole... You know, when we think of Christmas and the tremendous gift that God gave of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to earth, and we think of that, I think the, the right response that comes to us this morning is, what can we give in return to what Christ has done for me? And I suppose that's where the whole gift-giving thing came from. But, you know, in a lot of ways, it can very quickly and easily become this gift-exchange thing. You give to me... And I give to you. I think some families even, and I'm not, if, if there's some here that do that, that's, that's okay. Uh, if that's your choice. I know for myself, we've chosen our, somewhere early in our family life that um, we're, we're not going to do that in our home. And I'm not saying that, that I feel everybody should be like where we are. I just, I, I do know that it can breed into the lives of our children a selfish heart of what we get. And I think the whole of the Christian life should be, what can we give? And I would just like to express my appreciation to Wednesday night. I thought that was an ideal opportunity for us as a church to impact our community here. And I want to bless those, whoever it was, that labored to prepare those fruit baskets. I felt that was good. Okay, having said all that, this morning I would like to start in the book of Hebrews. Now, this morning is one of those mornings where I have a lot of thoughts going through my mind. And I have some notes wrote down here, and my, I look at my notes, and it somewhat scares me. Am I, am I going to be able to follow them and communicate this morning like what I'd like to communicate? Maybe I'd be better off just standing up here and talking. 
So I'm going to try to find my way through my concoction of notes this morning and share what I feel I have on my heart. And I would like to say that what we heard so far, I feel, is very good in preparation for what I want to share this morning. Um, however, I would like, I'm trying to decide how I could say it. In some ways, I could say I'd take it out of that gear and we'll put it in another gear and go just a little bit of a different direction with the same goal in mind. Or maybe we could rather say, since we live in the GPS age, rather than that destination where it was set, we'll just click a few buttons on there and change our course a little bit and continue on our journey. And I guess I feel a little bit this morning that is what my intention is. And I would like to share here in the beginning that I do have a goal in mind. And I do have a thought in mind, but I'm not going to tell you what it is till we get closer to the end of the message and things will begin to fall in place and make sense because I'd rather, for whatever reason, keep you a little bit more inquisitive. However, I would like to share with you the title of my message. The title I've chosen this morning is So Great a Salvation and Our Reasonable Response. And I am planning on looking a bit this morning at the season that we live in as we consider this so great a salvation. This morning as we were singing, I had to think some of the songs that we sang. I, 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 my mind went back there to, I guess it was the hills of Judea where the shepherds were out that night and the angel suddenly appeared and, and gave the message of the, birth, of the birth of Christ. And it said, suddenly there appeared this heavenly angelic host singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I can appreciate this morning the songs that we sang. It is so great a salvation. It is so great a salvation. And I would like to impress upon our hearts this morning as we consider the beauty of God, His Son taking on flesh and blood and coming to earth and what all that means and what all that stands for. And this morning my goal is that we could be enamored in the so great a salvation. And we think of the so great a salvation. You know, it's not just so great a salvation so that we can just receive this tremendous gift of salvation and take it for ourselves and do nothing with it. I think my title explains to you a bit where I'm going this morning. It is so great a salvation that we have this morning to be enamored with. So great a salvation. But you know, that great a salvation calls and demands for us, if I can say it in those words, a response. A response from the church. It's a little bit like when I sit down to have my morning devotions in the morning and I read the Word of God. We don't just read the Word of God so that we can take it into our hearts and believe it and then just leave it there. We read the Word of God in the morning, I trust, and have our our quiet time with the Lord so that we can be encouraged and strengthened and have a right response to life as I live out my day. So this morning, in a sense, that's where I'd like to go as we think about the message. The last message I shared here, I talked about discouragement. And someone indicated I didn't get done. Sometime I'd finish it up. Now, one of my points in finishing it up, when we think of overcoming discouragement, and that is the heart attitude that comes out of each of our hearts, that is, what can I do? What can I do for the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of what He has done for us. And this morning I want to share with you that I am not looking... When I look at... Okay, I shared the title with you already. 
so great a salvation and our reasonable service, indicating. Well, let me read. Let me let me read this the verse where I got my the beginning part of my title from. It's in Hebrews two verse three. It says, "How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the beginning, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him." So the beginning part of that verse says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This morning, I don't want anybody here to get the idea and the feeling that I am disappointed with Oasis Christian Fellowship because I'm not. When we think of the whole idea of neglecting so great a salvation, you know, this morning I so appreciated the thoughts that Joshua had to share with us here about having our minds renewed that we can be that holy people. And that is a very important aspect of the gospel. And I do believe and I agree that the world, John, the world is putting intense amount of pressure on us when it comes to technology and all those kind of things that calls for the church to stand back and we ought to dig our heels in and say, no, we don't want to go there. And I totally understand, Joshua, the idea of those books can be enamoring. When we look at technology, when we look at all the things that the world has to offer. And we find ourselves at times being enamored with that. And I understand that. And I have those same temptations. And our youth have those temptations. And, you know, I think it's right. I think we're so wired and so designed by our Creator God that we are, we are interested in those kind of things. We are mused at those kind of things. God created us that way that the they get our attention, and things in life ought to get our attention. And I believe a very important part of the gospel is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Especially chapter 2, what you referred to this morning. However, the other aspect that I would like to consider this morning, and it's not so much the part of, when we think of neglecting, of just allowing ourselves to become enamored by all the world has to offer, but this morning, as we consider this so great a salvation and this tremendous gift of God, and, and, and maybe I should just say this yet, when we think of the coming of Christ, we think of His life showing us how to live. And then we think of the death on the cross. And then we think of the resurrection. What a glorious salvation. However, I recognize the season that we live in the, uh, the, the season when we think of Christ coming to earth, God coming in the flesh is a very small part of that gospel. However, the season that we live in, that is mostly what I'm going to be considering this morning, is the beauty of, of God coming in the flesh. However, it's wise for us to think about it's the gospel as a whole that should have our attention this morning. However, this morning, where I was going now with my thoughts was the whole idea of neglecting so great a salvation. You know, this morning, I believe the other aspect of the Christian life that will depend whether we have a church 10, 20, and 30 years down the road is not only going to be this morning if we have that passion and that heart as much as I agree with it and it is very important that we're on our toes when it comes to keeping those things out. This morning, my desire is for each one of us that we can be enamored with the fact that the God of heaven has committed this so great salvation into our hands, into our care, and that our response would, to that would be to live a sacrificial life dedicated and committed 
to the cause of Christ wherever that may take you and I in life. That is where I'm going this morning. That is why I've chosen the title that I did. You know, the, the, the title actually asks us a question this morning. And it's a good question to ask us. And I want you to understand that I'm not asking that question because I think you need to wake up to the reality of this great gospel that is entrusted to me. Us. But I realize the fact that in each one of us is the tendency to grow cold to the great commission that God has for the church and for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be willing to live sacrificially for that cause. How does the song say, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight, delights. That's what you were talking about this morning. No longer. Things that are higher, things that are nobler. These have allured my sight. You know, this morning, I agree wholeheartedly there's something about technology and all the amusements and the amazement part of technology. The, the, the books, whatever you are that you were talking about, the auto books, whatever they were, all those kind of things have a means of getting our attention. Technology is an amazing thing. But you know, you put that alongside of the power of the gospel to change to transform a life from a life of darkness, from a life of sin, and to totally change that life. You know, in a lot, it's no comparison. It's no comparison. And this morning, that is my burden that we, the church of Jesus Christ, would get so enamored by the things of God. And I am not saying all these things to take away what Joshua shared with us this morning, as important as they are. But my burden, that's why I said my burden this morning is to take us and shift us a little bit in a different direction with a goal in my mind as we wind down as to why I have the burden that I have as we think of the commission, the great commission that God has for us. So here this morning, I would like to fan the flame. I would like to fan the flame of that desire. You know, I feel like Brother Myron shared it really good, and I forget exactly how he said it, but Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me this morning. And that's my desire. That's my desire that God would speak to me, that God would make my journey in life clear, that I would be willing to commit my life. Some of you figured it out already, you Bible scholars. He chose Romans 12, verse 2, and I'm eventually going to land on Romans 12, verse 1. It is our reasonable service this morning that we commit our bodies back to Christ, a living sacrifice. Not out of duty, but as we realize the tremendous gospel that Christ has committed this morning into our care. I have chosen this morning to do just a little bit of reflection in Hebrews before we look at some of the things that surround Christ's birth. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 tells us who Jesus is today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He hath by himself purged our sin and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That is where the Lord Jesus Christ is seated today. And as we consider the season that we live in, so in, in our commercialized society, when we focus on Christmas, many times we leave him there in a manger. He's not there. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he's given grace for mankind today to fulfill the purpose and reason why we're here. There's other verses we could look at there in chapter 1. Uh, but I'm going to go to chapter 2 and just skim over a few verses as we go down through and consider some of these things this morning as we think 
of the season that we live in. Chapter, okay, chapter 2, verse 3. Maybe I'll read that again there where I'm taking my uh, title from. How shall we escape this morning? That's the question we're asking us. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And then we drop down to verse 6. It says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? Now, as I'm understanding that there, it does appear that the writer is indicating that that is an angel, possibly, as I understand verse 5. Maybe some of you Bible scholars would feel differently about that. But it says, one in a certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? What is man that thou art mindful of him? That the son of God would give his life to come down here to redeem fallen mankind. It almost gives us a picture that... An angel is saying, what is man that this creator God is mindful of him to do such an amazing thing to redeem mankind? That's how I see it, whether I'm seeing it correct or not. But you know, this morning, that is the beauty and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God, creator God, that spoke this world into existence would take on flesh and blood and subject himself to the cruelty of mankind. It appears to me here that, 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 that an angel is, is like almost in disbelief that God is doing something like that. But that's what God did. Verse 9 of chapter 2, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's our God as he took on flesh and blood. That he would take taste death for every man. And then verse 14, we see uh, the incarnation there, him becoming flesh. For as much then as children we are, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death. That is the devil. I'm going to read on. And deliver them who through fear of death were, su- were all their life subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be the merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That is our God. Well, I feel it worthy just to make another comment or just point out again this whole fact of neglect. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Study that word a little bit. That word simply means to become careless about. The word neglect there means to become careless. You know... This morning, God has committed to the church of Jesus Christ the responsibility slash privilege of carrying this message to a lost world. Have we become careless? How easy it is to become careless. How easy it is to become careless. God's Word here, I think, requires for us to have a Response. You know, I know in my own heart how easy it is to become careless or casual when I think of the responsibility 
of carrying the message, the glorious message, first of all, to those I interact with, the places I go in life. You know, this morning, you know, back there when God, you know, I had to wonder. I had to wonder as I thought of the Godhead, the angelic host, however all it was, when they were putting their plan in place. Of course, there is a scripture that indicates that was all done before the foundation of the world, which is enough to boggle our mind. But when we think of that, you know, we think of God choosing, you know, he's going to become flesh and he's going to come down here to earth and he is going to give us hope. He's going to show us how to live. He's going to work out his glorious plan of salvation. You know, I sometimes I had to think of how, how did how did this plan all come into place? You know, he chose a humble, lowly carpenter to be his earthly father. And he chose, uh, you know, there, there's twice where, he, where Mary is called a handmaid girl, something like that, which actually means a slave girl, is who, who God chose. Uh, God also chose to reveal when his first coming was to some lowly, humble shepherds. And, and, you know, there's something beautiful as we consider the whole process of, of the birth of Christ and everything that surrounds the birth of Christ. But, you know, today, the generation and the time that God has chose for us to be living in, He's not looking for Mary anymore, and He's not looking to Joseph anymore, and He's not looking to those shepherds anymore who were the ones that were the first proclaimers and announcers of the coming birth of Christ. But this morning, He's looking to you and I. Are you and I so enamored by the gospel and so, so, yeah, just full of it that we are willing to sacrifice and to carry out that responsibility? That's who God is looking for. He's looking to us today. But I also know how easy it is to become lax when it comes to that responsibility, to become uncommitted when it comes to those kind of things. And here again, I want you to know that I appreciate what we have going here as a church. Now, we don't know what all is going to happen in the months ahead. Are we at Oasis Christian Fellowship or is the ministry that takes place in Pottsville, is the ministry that takes place in Lebanon, is the ministry that takes place over in Tanzania, is that going to be our primary responsibility, Harmony's responsibility? We don't know all that, but I will say that I do appreciate very much our involvement that we have in the various ministries. And I also appreciate very much the growing interest that we have to impact the community here. I understand there's a few brothers that have a burden that we would become more involved in our local community here. And I think that's only right. And that's the kind of thing that I I this morning would like to fan that flame because I think God has greater and higher and nobler things for the church of Jesus Christ to get enamored with. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we wouldn't become lax with those things because we all know how easy it is to fall asleep and become lax. So great a salvation. So great a salvation that we're considering here this morning. And you know, this morning, like I said, we're not going to examine all the, all the glorious, beautiful things about this so great a salvation. But this morning, we're thinking about the season that we live in and we're thinking about the coming of Christ. Matthew, Matthew 1.21, he says, part of the reason for his coming was he shall save his people from their sin. Maybe that's the primary reason of his coming is to save 
humanity from their sin. That's why he came. Emmanuel, meeting God with us. And you know, there's another scripture that indicates his reason for coming that I'd like to impress upon our hearts this morning is that the Gentiles would know. You know, for many years, it was the nation of Israel. It was God's people. They were the chosen ones. They were the ones that were, were God's people. But you know, when Christ came, that all changed. And it opened the way to the gospel for the entire human race. And that is the time and the generation that we live in. A light to lighten the Gentiles. And that is the message that we have this morning to a lost and dying world. Uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. You can turn there in your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 through 6 and 7 I'm going to read. It says here, this is uh, talking about the birth of Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful here means something miraculous, or it means a miracle. A miracle that the God, the Creator of the universe would take on flesh and blood. He's wonderful. Counselor. He is our counselor. He is our guide. What Jesus says we will do. Are we that committed to Christ this morning? He came as our counselor, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. He can give peace. This morning we read about Simkunga. He has anything but peace because Christ is not his counselor. But Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and He's longing to give peace this morning to the entire world. And this morning, if we are experiencing that peace of God, it's God's will that we would be actively involved in the spreading of the gospel. I would like to look at Matthew chapter 2, and we are going to look. I'm not going to make lots of comments maybe on some of these scriptures, but we are going to look at some of the things that have happened here surrounding the birth of Christ, and then we want to go into some of the responsibility and consider some of that as we wind down. Matthew chapter 2, I think I'm just going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 18 and uh, then make a few comments as we consider what is happening here. Uh, it says here in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, Art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule thy people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And they, when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And before thou... And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and was there unto the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And all the coast, therefore, from two years old and under, until under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, and lamentation, and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. So right there in that passage of Scripture, we see the Son of God, the Creator of the human race, subjected Himself to the cruelty of mankind. And here we have the bright light beginning to shine. Jesus Christ appearing. And so quickly, and and the light was beginning to shine, and so quickly we see the deception beginning to work in the heart of cruel, wicked Herod, wanting to stamp out that light. And you know, part of the so great salvation is... God's plan didn't fail. You know, and we can follow that plan throughout life. We, uh, Jesus' life, you know, just a chapter or two later, we see there in Matthew chapter 4, I believe it is, where he was tempted of the devil. And once again, the devil, with his scheming and his wicked planning, thought he was going to destroy that light. And it didn't happen. It continued to shine. And then we follow him throughout life. And finally, he was condemned to die and cruel the life of a murderer. And once and for all, they thought they destroyed him and got rid of him. But praise be to God, he rose victorious. And the devil's planning and scheming once again failed. And we have this beautiful, glorious gospel to a dark and dying world. Isn't that an awesome privilege and responsibility given to the church of Jesus Christ? which motivates us again to raise the question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So great salvation. And by me sharing this this morning, I'm not saying that I've arrived. I have much need when it comes to those areas. But this morning, I trust that we can have our flame fanned. You know, I'd like to just do a little bit of consideration as we think of Mary. And maybe we ought to read some scriptures here in the book of Luke as we consider this. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 2. I don't know if you think of it. Some of the challenge and the testing. When we think of. Of Mary. You know, she was a peasant girl. And like I had shared before, I don't know all the reasons. But I believe God chose, I know He did, in His four wisdom and knowledge, the birth of Christ to come in the way He did. Uh, let's just read a little bit here. 
verse 27 Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Did I say chapter 2, chapter 1? I'm at verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind the manner of salutation that this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall these things be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord... Be it unto me according to my according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, I'd just like to consider this morning a little bit when we think of Mary. Some of you young ladies know what it's like to be engaged. And probably a lot on this side of the room remember and know what it's like. But I would like to think an engaged Girl slash lady has a lot of expectations for life. A lot of plans for life. A lot of dreams for her future. You know, Mary here, I believe, was one of the things that stand out to me. She was teachable. Mary was one that allowed God, the God of heaven, to change her mind and her plans. I think that's one of the reasons why God chose Mary. I also believe Mary was one that was be, was willing to be made tough. You know, do you think there was any gossip about Mary after she was with child? She was an espoused young lady to a carpenter. And now all of a sudden, I envisioned there was a lot of talk about Mary. And I imagine there was a lot of talk about Joseph. I believe they were willing to be made tough. I believe they were willing to exercise humility. And as I said, they were, they were willing to tolerate lots of gossip. You know, they were a couple that God drastically changed their plans. And you know, we're on this side. We're on this side. We have the Word of God. We have the history of mankind. We see this whole plan of redemption, and we look back on it and we see something beautiful and something glorious. But, you know, there was a lot of things that Mary and Joseph did not understand. I think they had to exercise a tremendous amount of faith and trust and confidence and dependence on God. They don't do like we do, look back and, and see how it all unfolded. You know, Mary had some interesting questions. Joseph had some interesting questions. He was minded to put her away privily, the Bible says. And, you know, this, this, was, this, was, this was a shameful thing. We don't, we don't always think of all those kind of things. 
Yes, the angel revealed that he would be the son of the highest, you know, and all those kind of things. But it also indicates that there was a lot of things that Mary did not understand. But she was willing to trust God for. And, you know, I had to also wonder, do you think Mary struggled at all under Joseph's leadership? You know, I had to wonder. Here she is. She's great with child. And she has to leave her hometown and go to Bethlehem there because of the law of taxing, and she was great with child. How many expectant mothers uh, would be willing to make that trek? But she did it. How about the birth of her firstborn son? Now, I remember very vividly when we were expecting our first child. Oh, the expectation and the thought that went into it, and the the arrival of a child, you know, you get a blue outfit and you get a pink outfit. That way, if it's a boy, we put a blue one on. If it's a girl, we put a pink one on. And we get everything ready. We, 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 we just go, we jump through all those hoops that young mothers go through and fathers expecting their first child. You ever think about Mary's, here she is, getting close to the delivery of her first child. Yes, I know she knew all these things about who he was. What did she understand? What didn't she understand? We don't really know all of that. I believe she had a certain amount of understanding, but there was a lot of pieces of the puzzle that had not yet came together. Irregardless of all that, there they are. Not even a inn to go into, but back there in some stable. And we see all the beautiful uh, lawn things, you know, of this beautiful manger, and we have all these beautiful pictures of a manger scene. I tend to think it was probably a barn, and I could be all wrong. You know, it's very likely it could have been a barn with a lot of cobwebs. It could have very easily been a barn where the menorah was stacked up. It could have been, I don't know what the season was like that time of the year. It could have been flies. It could have been stink bugs. Who knows what all was in that barn and the birth of her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger that could have been a dusty, dirty old manger. I don't know what it was. But that was, that was the experience of the Son of God coming in this world to purchase your and I redemption. And you know, God in the heavenly host from eternity past looks down to us today. What are we doing with this so great a salvation that God has committed into our care? Could look yet at Simon's prophecy. That is in chapter 2, verse 29. He says this. He took him up in his arms in verse 28 of chapter 2 and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. You know, here we have the old... Simeon, I don't know. I didn't really study. I don't think we have a lot of history or a lot of other things recorded about this Simeon, who he was and what all he stood for and all that. But he was waiting. He was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And he says, Now, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace according to thy words. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, this his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall 
and rising again of many of it in Israel. For a sign which shall be spoken against him, yea, a sword shall pierce through his thine own soul, that thy thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know, there I believe, again, I believe Mary was. I believe there was a lot that she didn't understand. You know, Mary was there through various incidences of the Lord Jesus. He was, she was there at the first miracle. We also know that she was standing there at the foot of the cross while Jesus was dying and suffering that cruel death. A lot of things that she didn't understand. But you know, as we consider, as we consider Mary and her response, and you know, there's another major incident in the, when we think of the coming of Christ, and that is when Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt because there again, Herod, wicked Herod with his scheming and his plotting to kill the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Once again, we see she had to flee for the cause. Maybe just refer a little bit here to the shepherds, you know. I think it's it's uh, good that we just do a little bit of consideration. You know, here it was, it was some shepherds. It was some shepherds out there in the hills, hills of Judea that the message came to first. The birth of Christ. And those shepherds came. I don't think I'm going to take the time to read it. Well, maybe I will just read this. It. not that many. Luke 2, beginning at verse 8. And they were the ones that carried the message. The first message of the appearing of the Messiah. And there were in those... In the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It almost appears to me like here you had this heavenly host that was waiting and waiting for the coming Messiah. And all of a sudden they burst forth with praise. He arrived. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even to Bethlehem, and see the things which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, God chose it to be shepherds. Today, God is choosing you and I to be the ones that communicate the beauty and the glory of so great a salvation. Does it grip our hearts that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life? You know, this morning I would like to talk a little bit about something that could make us just a little bit nervous. It makes me a little nervous. When we hear the word, think out of the box. Does that ever make you a little nervous? Uh Uh-oh, where is he going? Where is he going with this one? I'd like to think just a little bit about the thinking out of the box. Do you think Mary and Joseph had to think out of the box? 
I don't know what you think of when you think of thinking out of the box, but when I think of thinking out of the box, I think of a box around Brian Nolt. And I am comfortable going this far, and then Brian Nolt stops. Because if I go any further, that's just not very comfortable. And I'll go this way in my box, and here is where I begin getting uncomfortable, and I don't want to go any further because it just gets a little comfortable over there. We can go forward and we can go backwards. I think each one of us have a, has a box, and in that box it's what we're comfortable with. We're comfortable because, you know, life is good. We're, we're American citizens, and we live in a land, we still live in a land of much freedom. We're still blessed, even in this country with all its ungodliness, ungodliness and the influence that we have, we're still a very blessed people. Somebody prayed in the prayer room this morning, just thanking God again for the freedom that we have, that we can worship God unhindered by the government. It's a tremendous freedom that we have. We're pretty comfortable in our box. Are you comfortable in your box? I'm comfortable in my box. And we like to stay inside that box. I'd like for us this morning to just allow ourselves to be stretched a little bit at least the way we think and the way we pray and the way we look at this glorious gospel. That's all I want to do. If at the end of this message, if I can have you thinking and praying, I'll feel that I communicated what I wanted to communicate. Now you really wonder where I'm going. Some of you figured it out. You know, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and he called his disciples and said, I will make you fishers of men. I think all of us would agree God wants us to be fishers of men. I want to be a fisher's men, and I, I want to be a fisher man. I want to be in my box where I'm comfortable being my fisher of men. You know, is that we can follow that? I want to be comfortable in my box being a fisher of men. God calls us to be fishers of men. You know, this morning, this is where I was going. This is where I was going all along, and I want to give you a challenge, and I want to give myself a challenge. I don't know what God is saying to you. And I don't know what God is saying to me. But I want... You know what? Before we go there, let's read Romans 12. That's where uh, we started out this morning in the devotional. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And this is, indicates the title too, what I was referring to. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then Joshua went on to explain not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because God wants us to be holy. God wants us to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God wants us to commit our bodies back to Him, holy, untainted by the world. You know, the world with its popular books, it's magazines, it's all of that kind of stuff. It's technology as much as, you know, technology is okay if it's used right. I believe it is. Not to be enamored by those things. That we would be perfect, whatever all words it uses here, holy, and all those things. But to commit our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. Here's where I was going. You know, we have a mission over in Tanzania. We have a mission in Tanzania. It is our mission. When Tim left, some of you are, are, came on board since Tim left many years ago. Tim talked about he's the spearhead and we're the shaft. We're the ones behind the mission there. And I'm not, don't get nervous. I'm not saying we're not supporting Tim. We are. I want to bless you in that. You are. 
And I don't know who's going to end up with the primary responsibility of carrying what happens in Tanzania. That has yet to be decided. But here's where I'm going. The chairman of the mission committee, which is not me, has committed to uh, Gary Miller that by the end of 2014, we will have a family to go to Tanzania to join with Tim and Cheryl. Now, that doesn't mean we here at Oasis Christian Fellowship. Maybe it'll be harmony. Uh, maybe God is calling somewhere or somewhere else. I don't know what that all means. But this morning, I would like for each one of us to think outside of our box. Who is God calling? You know, the Bible says that we should pray, therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his field. And I believe in the Great Commission that we are to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And I recognize in a fellowship this size with all of us people here, God is not calling every one of us to Africa. God wants us to be faithful witnesses right here in Newmanstown, Schaeferstown. Why am I in Newmanstown? Schaeferstown, in Lebanon, in Pottsville, in your workplace, everywhere we go, I think God wants us to be faithful. But I believe also God wants us to pray, therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers across seas and wherever God leads us. And I believe that God has led us to the Sichella people. I believe God has faithfully led us to the Sichella people. I believe we are responsible. You know, God committed the ministry of reconciliation to us. And we are responsible. And you know what? I don't think it's the most comfortable thing for John and Beverly to see Kimberly go to Ivuna. That probably stretches you a little bit, doesn't it? I imagine it does. I imagine it does. But you know, that is why we're here. You know, that's my encouragement to us this morning. Let's broaden our horizon. What does God have for you and I? And I'm not indicating unless we go to Tanzania, we're not doing the work of God. Not for a minute am I indicating that. I believe God wants His gospel message to go wherever we are. But I also believe that God is wanting to raise up a family. And if I can have us this morning to pray the Lord of harvest that He would send forth a family. And you know, I think it's only right I think it does us good to say, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Now, when I look at myself, I see a lot of hurdles that would have to be crossed in order for me to go to Ivuna. And you probably do too. But I believe the one that God calls, he'll make it clear. And that is just simply the question I'd like us to be asking us this morning. That's thinking outside of the box. Like Mary and Joseph, they had to think outside of the box. And this morning... I'd just like to impress that on our hearts. Who is God calling for the work? You know, God has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is a part of obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is not only, as much as I agree with it, being separate from the world and all those things, but it is also being actively involved in the spreading of the gospel wherever God would lead us this morning. So this morning I would like to give some encouragement that way if we can allow God to stretch us in our minds. 
Allow God to stretch us in our minds. And each one of us to carry that burden. And I don't want you to feel like I feel unless we raise a family up out of Oasis Christian Fellowship, we have failed in our responsibility. I'm not saying that. Neither do I want this to look as a duty responsibility thing, but rather a privilege to enter in a deeper level into the work that happens in the foreign field. And yes, probably part of the reason why I carry the burden that I do as I am part of the mission committee and I largely in some ways feel responsible. But I would like that responsibility not only to be on the mission committee, but that responsibility of a family fall on all of us that we would carry that burden and we would direct our prayers that way and say, who is God calling? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And pray with an open mind. And think out of the box. Maybe God is stretching us beyond our comfort zone. And I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have a promising job with a promising future. Or have a business that's being built. You know, all of those kind of things. The security of a financial, stable future. You know, when it comes to this world, there's not very much... There's not very much security anymore in our whole financial system. You know, and I have to wonder, oh, the shame. You know, someday I think when we get to glory, we're going to look back and say, oh, if only I could do it over. Why was I not more involved? You know, the salvation of one soul, we can't put a price tag on. One more scripture I wouldn't mind looking at. In uh, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, I think it is. First Corinthians chapter 3. Maybe we ought to close here. He says this, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God gave the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. I used to have the mindset, and this actually hindered me while we lived in York. I used to have the mindset that unless I was personally leading souls to Christ. I just wasn't measuring up to my reason and responsibility have been there. And I think that ought to be our heart's passion to be able to lead souls to Christ. I believe that. But I think we ought to also just simply be content to be helping souls along the way to the kingdom of God because the value of one soul, we cannot put a price tag on. And we get to influence a soul. You know, in that sense... We're co-laborers together with God. So this morning, that's the burden that I have. Trust that I can, you can with me carry that burden, that responsibility, that privilege that we have. Let's not neglect so great a salvation when it comes to the lost world. And more particularly, where I landed, the Sachella people. You know, when I thought of opening up, I shared with you, I'm not going to share where I'm going or where my primary burden is to the end because I didn't want you to say, well, that's not me. That's not me. Uh, and, and write it off. God knows who it is. God knows if it's one of you sitting here or if it's somebody else. Why don't we stand for a closing prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for so great salvation that we are able to enter into the Lord Jesus Christ taking on human flesh. 
and suffering and dying and raising again for us. And Father, we recognize this morning that the gospel of the kingdom is committed into our trust and care. Thank you for transforming lives as we heard this morning. Thank you for the church here. Thank you for the encouragement that we all receive coming here to worship you. Father, we thank you for the church family that we have right here. We also thank you, Lord, for the church family that's a small part of us over in Africa, in Ivuna, with the Sichella people. And Father, we recognize that you're wanting to do a great work there. You're wanting to do a great work here. And Father, I believe that you are longing for more laborers to serve you in the harvest field. And I recognize, Lord, in my own life, my own personal neglect, when we think of so great a salvation. And Lord, my desire this morning is that none of us would go on a guilt trip unless you want us to put us on a guilt trip because of our neglect. But rather, we could enter into the glorious work of the salvation of souls. And I just pray, Lord, concerning the great need for a family in Ivuna. And Lord, I pray that you would rekindle a burden and a division and a desire for us as a congregation to enter into that work and that you would prepare the family, whoever they are and wherever they are, for that work. And Lord, if you're calling a family right out of this congregation here this morning, that you would make it clear and that you would grant grace and you would empower and all of those things and you would prepare. And Father, we also pray for, for Warren and Kimberly that are planning to go and their families, giving them up. Just pray that you would bless them. And Lord, that you would just do a work in each one of our hearts. Father, we commit our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.